Ladies and gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the epic Roster Watch podcast brought to you by rosterwatch.com. I am Alex Dunlap here with Byron Lambert, who's on the road for the rosterwatch.com training camp tour. Going to be breaking down his analysis and thoughts from the New England Patriots and New York Jets practices, even though since then he's been to Philadelphia and the joint practices today as we record with Baltimore and the Jacksonville Jaguars. We'll have another pod later in the week covering that and also another podcast this week with uh, a very special guest that I think that you are going to like. Don't want to spill the beans early because I want it to be a surprise when it comes out, but it should be a good podcast. Um, a quick reminder, please give the pod a rating and review if you like the ramped up volume that we're giving you here during the training camp tour once we get up to 400 ratings and reviews in the apple podcasts app we're going to give away some free pro memberships to rosterwatch.com so go in there give us a good rating and review leave your name and your uh, twitter handle or your instagram handle a way for us to contact you if you're selected as one of the winners once we get up to 400 ratings and reviews we will be selecting a grip of those and of course a reminder always as well go to rosterwatch.com go download the cheat sheets you just got to be a pro member to do it but a pro membership is cheap as hell and it's going to help you win your drafts one other thing before i bring byron on uh, if you want to hear us on sirius xm and you have that in your car or you have the app we are on now weekdays mondays through wednesdays 1 to 2 p.m eastern and then sundays 7 to 9 p.m eastern this week i'll also be on Riding solo, uh, hopefully with Byron calling in at at some point to give me a little bit of, <laughs> a little bit of relief. Um, that'll be from ten to midnight Eastern, so nine to eleven Central. Make sure and tune in there. It's uh, always a fun broadcast there for that one. So we're coming at you like five days a week with this stuff. We're bringing you a bunch of podcasts. We're working our ass off here to get this content up. Uh, if you like the show, please support us by at least giving us a good rating and review in iTunes, and also getting a pro membership with all that said byron what the hell's going on brother oh man just staying busy out on the road you know how it is kind of yeah i know how it is i, I don't know how the I, i've never done the you know the training camp tour the stop to stop like that with you but certainly been on the pro day tours and the Dude, uh, you've been on a rock band tour you know what yeah. it's like to be on the road <laughs> yeah I, I didn't drive myself on those man we, we had a bus and i could lay down and sleep and stuff but so it's, it might have been a little bit different but i'm sure i'd rather just, drive myself any day of the week to been stuck in a yeah, damn one of those, bus yeah, with all those with all those dirt beats. balls <laughs> that's true all right so um let's just get right into it new england patriots camp uh why don't we just go real quick right now? Just we'll start it out going to the sound. This is your interview with Patriots running back Sony Michelle. Byron Lambert here with Patriots running back Sony Michelle. Sony, how's the body feeling? How's the uh, camp treating you so far? Uh, camp's going good. Um, you know, a lot of things to learn from. Um, you know, just it's part it's part of the grind, and it's what it's it's what prepares us for the season. So I'm excited uh, for this, and you know, very excited for the season. Anything that you're going to have to do to manage the knee at all this season? Um, as a football player, you got to manage your bodies at all times. You know, just taking care of your body uh, off the practice field, on the practice field. So it's just being a football player. Sonny, can you tell me what's maybe stood out about this camp to you so far? It's your second year here. Um, I would say just a new team, uh, guys, you know, coming together, learning how to face adversity together. Uh, and kind of execute together, and it's this. I, I would say it's, it's special. You know, every year is special. So, you know, being in the present, um, 
this is a big one. Is there anything specific that you focused on this offseason, and what's the biggest adjustment you're looking to make on the field in year two? Uh, my only focus is, you know, just improving, trying to improve and move forward and trying to get better every day. I saw you flex out there in 11-on-11, and I hear you've been doing a little bit of the uh, pass-receiving drills with James White. Um, do you see your role at all changing this year? How's that coming along? Uh, you know, I just, you know, just preparing for any situation. You know, whatever coach uh, want to use me in, you know, I'm willing to, I'm willing to do it, uh, no matter what it is. So it's all about just preparing and just being ready. All right, so there, there he was, Sony Michelle. Uh, nice talk there with Byron. Byron, your takeaways from that and just the, the running back group in general. I, I want to play the James White interview here in a second, but as far as Sony specifically, what did you take away from these practices? What I took away from Patriots practices were that Sony Michelle is he is indeed the de facto lead back of that group. It's a running back group that's going to get quite a bit of volume this season, just based on the construct of that offense. Uh, the cupboard is literally completely bare, uh, barren at the pass catching, the wide receiver, the tight end positions. Tom Brady, it's the fewest weapons. I mean, maybe there's been a couple other years like this, but he has a depleted arsenal, to say the least, in the passing game. So really boils right down to a heavy workload for the Patriots' backfield this season. That is um, kind of uh, verified by the notion that the team is planning on keeping a solid five running backs on that roster uh, this year. Uh, They're going to – they're going to – one of those guys may be inactive every week. Uh, that'll kind of remain to be seen a little bit. But uh, we're talking about Sony Michelle. We're talking about James White. Uh, we're talking about Rex Burkhead. Uh, we know that Brandon Bolden. Uh, the, I mean, he lives on, man. He's going to make the team. <laughs> he may, he's going to make the team with the special team and his and how they use him around the goal line. He's just a guy that makes the team every single year, right? And then you've got the rookie, Damian Harris, out of Alabama, who was getting a ton of run this week in practice, this last week in practice, because Rex Burkhead, you know, true to form, is already nicked up and very, very limited at at training camp, at least uh, for the duration of the practices that we were there. So Harris looks like a good all-around guy who's going to be ready to go when the time calls. I mean, if I ever knew he was going to be getting volume in any one-game situation, I'd certainly be very interested in starting, you know, Damian Harris in, in fantasy. But on the other side, he's good chance that he's going to be inactive some weeks to begin the season. So that's you know how we need to treat that player. What, and what are you saying? Why are you? That's the second time that you said that to me. What like what makes you think that he's going to be a game day inactive? This is what the local beat writers who cover that beat that we know very well and trust have been doing it for years. That's what that's what they told me. And I think it's just a math game, right? I mean, you have your starting, you have your game day roster, and pretty rare you go and go with five game five running backs active in a uh, in a game scenario there. So that's something to keep in mind. Good player, I think he's going to be ready when the time calls. They're getting him ready for when the time calls. Uh, but it's going to be he's more better of, than Rex Burkhead. Yeah, he's a much better version of a uh, than a Rex Burkhead. I so why totally, so why totally would they agree. have why would they have Burkhead active over Damian Harris? I just don't understand. Because Belichick. What do you I mean? Yeah. I just don't try to figure it out. I mean, it's a veteran. <laughs> what else do you need? I mean, so yeah. it make, to me, it makes sense. I don't necessarily agree with it, but I understand it. So all of that made sense to me. So the other thing, the local media 
is quick to point out is that they are still very, very aware of Sony Michelle's knee and the condition of that knee. They, they by no means think we're out of the woods on that thing. Although he appears to be healthy and in complete, completely, you know, a full go right now at, at Patriots camp, which is a contrast to, to last season to his rookie training camp, which of course dovetails into the, you know, some of what we've been seeing out there where he's getting a little more involved potentially in the passing game, saw him flexed out a little bit in 11 on 11s. And then again, the you know, local media beat writers that we trust, you know, a whole lot were telling me they've seen him more often in some of the drills with James White in the pass catching you know, side of things. And so, you know, we, we know Sonny Michelle can, can pull his weight in that capacity. He just hasn't really been used like that yet. Well, remains to be seen whether that that role will grow or not. But, you know, I think Sony Michelle is a good fantasy asset at current value. Um, I think he's a spectacular value, but he's, he's, he's a fine, he's a fine play. He's a fine value there. I'd say there's a little bit of upside to his situation. If I had to sketch it up, I'd say 18 touches a game for Sony Michelle. And, um, you know, the rest of the backfield, would you rather would you rather have Sony Michelle or Miles Sanders for 2019 fantasy? They're going right there in the same pocket. Sony Michelle, David Montgomery, Miles Sanders, James White. How do you see Sony Michelle? Standard, I want in standard, I want Sony Michelle. If I'm an aggressive player in PPR, I'm fine with going with Miles Sanders over Sony Michelle. And we'll get into him later, or probably not on this pod, but on the next one, because I know you have thoughts from Philadelphia practice. As far as Sony Michelle's running back mate in that backfield, James White, you were also able to talk to him. Byron Lambert here with Patriots running back James White. James, I remember back at the Senior Bowl several years ago when you were the only guy back there that could stand up and block Chris <laughs> Borland and pass, pass protection. I think about how far you've come. What's that journey been like when you think back to that time? Uh, I mean, it's gone by fast, man. Learned a lot throughout the process from then until now. I'm just trying to come out and improve each and every year I step out on the football field. Uh, you can learn each and every year, get better each and every year. So so what have you done for me lately league? So I just try and come out here and compete and be the best me. Well, what stands out to you about this training camp and maybe this version of the New England Patriots offense in particular? I mean, each year is different. I mean, you're going to have some new guys, new coaches, all things of that nature. So kind of got to start from square one from OTA all the way till now, trying to build a camaraderie as an offense and gel. I mean, we're still working. I mean, only eight days in, so we still have a long way to go. James, your role has evolved pretty much every year you've been here. You had a big year in the past game last season. How do you see your role continuing to evolve this season? And maybe where have you improved this offseason? Uh, anything new we might see out of you this year? I mean, kind of got to wait and see, man. I mean, you never know, honestly, what your role is going to be until, I mean, the first game comes around. It can change in the middle of the season, change towards the end of the season. So, I mean, each week, I mean, you may have one carry one week, 20 carries. So, you honestly never know. Got to be prepared for anything. Each year I try to improve on every aspect of my game, not just one thing. Running, catching, blocking. There's always room for improvement, always little things you can work on. So, it's never just one thing. I just try and become a better overall football player. And your thoughts on the young guys, Sonny Michelle and uh, Damian Harris, how they fit in and complement what you do on the field? Well, these guys are coming out. They're competing, working hard, uh, being sponges. 
You know, Sony went through his rookie year last year, battled through some stuff, and still had a great year. So, I mean, he still has room for things to work on, and he can kind of explain to Damian what it's like being a first-year player, being a first-year running back, things of that nature. And I can share wisdom. Brandon Bolden can share wisdom with him. Rex can share wisdom with him. So it's good that we have all guys that can compete with one another help one another at the same time. James, thanks for your time. Any message for the Patriots fans out here supporting you today? I mean, excited to see you guys out here each and every day. It's hot. It could be raining. You guys are still out here. It makes practice that much better coming out here having the fan support. Well, Byron, you always love to be able to bring up the uh, the old Senior Bowl story about how he was the only one who could snuff out the Bulldog, Chris Borland. <laughs> he, he loves talking about that. Don't you love how he cracked up about that? He knew just James, what you were going to say before you even say it. Like before you could even say it, I think. James, I really enjoyed that one, which made me enjoy that one. I was excited to ask him about that. You know, well, that was Wisconsin on Wisconsin Crime. The 2019 Rosterwatch Cheat Sheet is available now at rosterwatch.com. The revolutionary cheat sheet to change fantasy football forever is back only at rosterwatch.com. Winning fantasy football players don't use outdated magazines or expensive draft software that's impossible to navigate. The Roster Watch Cheat Sheet. All you have to do is follow the three simple rules. That's it. Three rules. Guys, it couldn't be easier. The Roster Watch Cheat Sheet. An expert quality draft is guaranteed. It's magical. It's mystical. It's mythical. The Roster Watch Cheat Sheet only at rosterwatch.com. And you know at these Patriots camps, I mean, listen to these guys. They, they play it close to the best. They don't show their cards a whole lot. It's the Patriot way out there. You try to loosen them up a little bit. You're not going to get them to reveal too much. But I, what was revealing in my conversation with James White uh, when I was poking around what kind of role he expected to have this year, I feel like he was they were fairly candid uh, in a little bit of a stream of consciousness uh, sort of way. Uh, just I'm, familiar about- with those, I'm familiar with those. <laughs> I'm familiar with those moments. That <laughs> 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 uh, uh, you know, any given week, went under a Belichick offense, and then in this offense, and a Brady offense, and a McDaniel's offense in this backfield. At any given week, you're your work role, your workload, your duties that week can vary in a wild and spectacular way. And so you do have to be prepared for everything and in a number of ways to contribute. But I think what he's saying, man, is James White essentially admitting it's Russian roulette that you're playing with that Patriots backfield. However, you know, that backfield is going to get so many touches. He's one of the very clear lead guys. I mean, it's like if you could morph – Sony Michelle and James White into one player, he would be the starting running back on the Patriots, right? Well, they don't have that, so. Well, that's what Rex Burkhead is, but he can't stay healthy, right? Rex Burkhead, any kind of any kind no, of mix of those two. Oh, oh, Rex Burkhead is from Plano, Texas. He's, I mean, he's a good athlete. He's, a, he's, a, he's, he's a, from Plano. Who cares? A, a bunch of the best, a bunch of the best NFL players in the world are from the Dallas Metroplex. DFW. I know, but my cousins went to high school with me. <laughs> Okay. It's hard to think that he's one of the real elites of the least. You know, he's not the biggest guy either. Rex Burkhead is a nice player. You know, Sony Michelle is. I'm, I'm just saying, when when healthy, he's a guy that's shown the, the capability to be good running both between the tackles and catching the football out of the backfield. But you know, here's the thing: James White at times has been asked to run the football between the tackles and has looked okay doing it as well. So. 
Yeah, he could do that. And he look, he had the massive target volume last year, James White. So the big question was, I mean, even for a player, you know, that he's had an upward trajectory over the course of his career last year, you know, if you look at it, you you do have to wonder if it's a little bit of an outlier. I just I, I strictly think that circumstantially it's not. I mean, he has to be a big part of this offense this year. I fully expect him to. So you're always a little bit nervous when you see James Height. James White that high up on draft lists and draft rankings and things of this nature. But, you know, if he falls to me at the right value, you know, specifically in a PPR setting, uh, I can continue to be interested in, in James White. He may, you know, he, I really do believe he's a, he's a, he has become a solid fantasy asset. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I think in the middle to late fifth round in PPR, he's fine. He's fine. He's like, he's the perfect flex option for PPR. Maybe he's your third running back. You get two wide receivers there in the first, uh, in the first couple rounds, you get two running backs there in the first couple rounds and having James White in your flex in a PPR that can happen. And that's, that's a, that's a really high upside and decently high floor play just due to the receptions. I'm actually watching right now on NFL network inside training camp live. I just saw James White catching a nice ball over the middle from Tom Brady. Let me ask you this. Who is the they mess around so much there with the jerseys that Belichick does this jerky shit wherever he makes people wear odd jerseys that are rookies. Do you know who was wearing number 50? Which receiver? Nikhil Harry. Okay. well, I I just saw a nice catch by Nikhil Harry. Talk talk about him because it sounds like you were there on the day that was like the Armageddon day for Nikhil Harry that everybody's talked about. Uh, with all the drops is is that right Did, i mean you were there two days but one, one of the days was really bad i think the thing is there had been a couple of bad days prior to my arrival and then i got there on a day that was inconsistent i don't know if i'd call it bad because you know i do want to he it is worth noting and Nikhil harry certainly flashed some of the potential that shows like how enticing of a player he could be. So I didn't want that to get totally lost in what otherwise may have come off as a, you know, a a description of a poor training camp performance. I think he'd had a couple of rough days there, including a bunch of drops, which are a real problem for somebody like Nikhil Harry, who's one of his biggest attributes was, you know, supposedly being sure handed. And, um, you know, he's been in supposedly, I mean, he, he's, he's shown that before. He's, he's shown that he has that he has great. He's shown that he has really good hands. He makes catches that are unbelievable. I mean, I know yeah, the consistency so, is you know consistency is very very important, but I, I don't think that it's a supposedly deal. I mean, I've seen, that guy's got good hands. Trust me. I mean, I was obviously very bullish on Nikhil Harry. He was my number one wide receiver prospect in this year's class, and actually graded out highest for me of anybody in the last two classes. And look, the Patriots thought very highly of him as well. Not that that's really worked out that well in the past, but, uh, you know, like, like we've, you know what though, Byron, I, I, I I hate that narrative because they don't, they haven't taken like, has Belichick even ever taken a, a first round wide receiver? I mean, they've been bad at drafting wide receivers, but they haven't really extended. I think, what, do they take Chad Jackson? Maybe I think that's it. Look, They've been bad I mean, at identifying wide receiver talent in the draft for sure. That, I mean, there's there's no doubt about that. But it isn't like they've just always, you know, they have they, they have bad luck with all these with with all these first rounders and stuff. Sure. So Nikhil Harry kind of has that Des Bryant, Michael Thomas stature and body type out there. 
uh, when you're watching him on the field. And I, I did see from the first day to the second day I was there, I think the rest of the media would agree that he was kind of coming out of this Armageddon that you're talking about. So, you know, I think you see a player that's on a slow but steady trajectory, improving a little bit every day that was unsurprisingly inconsistent and makes people a little bit nervous when it comes to the drops because that's an area that has to, he has to be good, you know, in that area. And look, the fact is they have, they need him badly, right? I mean, the starting receivers are Julian Edelman, Philip Dorsett and Nikhil Harry. So, I mean, that guy, they need him. They need him badly On, on the other, on the flip side, he got open a few times against Gilmore and, and some of the other cornerbacks. There were sometimes he ran great routes and got great separation and made some big time plays. So, you know, what the what the insiders in New England will tell you that it's all about working his way into Tom Brady's circle of trust. And that if you look at a guy like Chris Hogan last year, that once you lose Tom Brady's confidence and it's shot, your season is probably shot. And so it's important for Harry to get out of the gate quickly here with Brady and he's been flashing, but he's, you know, been inconsistent, you know? So while he's been showing enough to entice, you just worry that if he doesn't hit the road running with Tom Brady, it's going to be a slow start for Nikhil Harry. Anybody else on that receiver core that you're even interested in? I mean, we've heard like Philip Dorsett is starting and we loved him coming out, but you know, he was an all senior bowler. He just he's been bad, you know, as an NFL player. I mean, is there any interest there? Is there anything kind of coming along with Philip Dorsett? And then what about some of these other guys? You know, Edelman's out, so you know, Maurice Harris has been running with these guys. Um, what do you think? And and also just while we're talking about wide receivers, I know I'm gonna have to huddle up with you a little bit for the DF for the preseason week one DFS cheat sheet, but any of these guys that we need to keep our eyes on. I was thinking that maybe Jacoby Myers might be a guy who they're going to try and get some extended looks at maybe in this first preseason game versus versus uh, the Detroit Lions. Yeah, so, I mean, the starters, we're talking about wide receivers are Edelman, Dorsett, Harry, not interested in Harry or Dorsett, really. I mean, I could be interested in Harry late or as some kind of stash or a, a mid-season waiver wire acquisition that I'm just hanging on to for like some kind of you know late season run. I could see that Edelman. I think is fine. Edelman's got Edelman. Yeah. Edelman should Edelman. be. A, yeah. He should be a, and he should be in line for a monster workload. I mean, they literally have no other options, and so they're getting him nice and rested up right now. Um, you know, Tom Brady. His, his this has, his his fantasy value has to be at one of the lowest points in his career, probably since early on in his career at this point. So Tom Brady's even a guy I've moved under a Sam, like a, the Sam Donalds of the world who I just got done scouting at jets camp. Uh, not to say you can't have a one game situation with Tom Brady. That's going to be a blow up spot at some point. I certainly think that's possible, but, uh, but it, they need Josh Gordon, man. Obviously nobody knows what the hell's going on with that. Uh, you know, He's a guy that you should consider taking for free at the end of your drafts. Because if Gordon comes in, it's going to be that's the it could, alpha. It could that's be the alpha. it could be curtains, right? Right. Yeah, Nikhil. I mean, it's Nikhil Harry's got nothing on a guy like Josh Gordon at this point. So, Patriots probably going to keep five receivers, um, four to five receivers. So this we know it's going to be. They're going to keep four. That's crazy, man. <laughs> Could keep five at least. 
They're not going to keep four. That's just crazy. Edelman, Dorsett, Harry. Well, we were talking about the special teamer. Um, Slater. Yeah, 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 yeah. So and what I about Demarius Thomas? Five, he's not I even in the plans. Six, and we said we're not going to count him. So, yeah, expect them to keep five guys, right? So Edelman, Dorsett, Harry. So battling for essentially the last two spots, you've got Braxton Berrios, Maurice Harris, Dontrell Inman, uh, Jacoby Myers that you mentioned uh, – among others. And so far the two standouts have been Maurice Harris and specifically Jacoby Myers, the undrafted free agent. Now the Patriots have a history this last few years of an undrafted free agent making the team. So there's some speculation out there that Jacoby Myers could be the guy. I mean, I would, does he fit the mold of a second, third team guy who's going to be, who's going to, they're going to have him out there running routes, even in like the fourth quarter, or do they think enough of him to where they're going to get him out before the total scrubs get going? You know, isn't that always the question with this yeah. first preseason, even the first <laughs> yeah. couple games in the preseason? I think I'm always giving you these nuggets of these guys that are like battling for the fourth or fifth spot, but sometimes that's not even deep enough down the uh, roster for right. for the week the week one action. Well, I'm thinking about um, the preseason goat from last year, Dame, Dame, Damon Patterson, number 17 out there. I'm not yeah, sure. He, sure I, I, I saw. I definitely looked down and saw his name a few times on the like. He, he did a few things. He did a few things. Uh, Dontrell Inman might be one. I'd say he's very, very on the bubble. Dontrell mm-hmm. Inman, if you're looking for a real, real bubble guy. Now, Jacoby Myers, though, looking good for the New England Patriots. You know, we'll see if an undrafted free agent can make the team or make any kind of impact. But yeah, pretty fair to say he was outplaying a lot of the other receivers, potentially including Nikhil Harry, for the few days I, I was there. And I heard that that had been the trend uh, for the few days before that. And again, not because Harry was a disaster, just Jacoby Myers playing really well. And you and I remember Alex, we didn't, we weren't blown away after the senior bowl, but handful of scouts and our circle that we trust our opinion really like Jacoby Myers. So interesting player to watch there, uh, for the new England Patriots. Let's move on to the jets. Um, unless there's any, is there anything else we forgot to talk about with the Patriots? Oh, Ben, Ben, Ben Watson getting some red zone looks. People are just going, uh, acting like it's going to be just Matt Lacoste or Steven Anderson, but it seems like Ben Watson's probably the probably the old standby that might be in that Brady circle of trust as an old kind of grizzled, proven veteran. I think so, man. That was the feeling I got. I kind of left thinking it was – it's not a distinguished group. And not any, any one of those guys, if you're a rational being, can you leave and say he's going to you know dominate. But – to me, it just looked like Ben Watson and a whole bunch of other guys out there. Right. Now, how that's going to – that has to translate to snap count percentage to really be meaningful you know, on any kind of weekly basis in fantasy. Uh, but I don't know, man. If they're thin at the pa- – if you start to think about it, if the Patriots are thin at wide receiver and thin at tight end, you know, all of a sudden you're down to Edelman and Ben Watson – and, and and it sounds like the Patriots may only keep two tight ends. Now, if that's true, it's going to be Ben Watson and one other guy, unless Watson doesn't make the team because his, I believe he's got a, he's facing a suspension. Ben Watson oh, is right, right. to begin the season, so that is something to keep in mind. Uh, but if he makes the team, it could be Ben Watson and one or two of these other. These other pedestrian tight ends, all of a sudden you say, well, maybe there's something to keep an eye on there. 
He, it's crazy because he took a banned substance during his during like he had, he had retired and thought that it was you know he, and then he got drug tested. He's like, oh oh shit, I forgot. I I, I got these rules. Um, yeah, so it's a four game suspension to start the season. So very very good to note that I'd actually forgotten. Um, all right, on to the Jets. Adam Gase, you got to talk to him. Any googly eyed answers for you? <laughs> what, what, yeah, man, what, you know what's, you. What's the, what's the news for? What's the news out of what is that? Florham, Florham Park, New, New Jersey, or is that uh, is that the? Am Florham I getting the Giants Park. mixed up? Okay, Florham Park, a nice area, man. Owens Mills here in Maryland, a nice area. Some nice areas around here. Need to get some crabs. Uh, as soon as we can get off this damn podcast, I'm going to. <laughs> um, Florham Park. Yeah, so googly-eyed Adam Gaze. You know, you are reminded quickly too, Alex, that as much as we people rag on Adam Gaze as a coach, he's actually a really good coach for the media. He's great with the media. He's great in interviews. He'll answer your questions. He's pretty candid. Uh, it's kind of except an easy that time, thing. Except, except that time he told me that Kiko Alonso was good covering linebackers. I said, do you really think he's good covering linebackers? He's like, well, you know, you, you have to look at it in context. <laughs> like he, even, he even said, like, nah, that, 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 that was kind of bullshit. But I know what you mean, man. Like, I kind of think that every time I've gotten the chance to interview him, he, he at least seems like he seems like he's being at least a little bit more forthright. than some, He's certainly no Bill O'Brien. Oh, God, wouldn't you hate to be on the Texans beat and have to cover Bill O'Brien? Jesus Christ. That would probably be uh, – the, the only thing worse would be having to cover fucking Matt Patricia. That would be like having to drink a big thing of cough syrup every morning. <laughs> it feels about like it, right? The kind of – that real the, – the, the, the real kind Some of – Some Robitussin. Medicine the kind, the kind, kind that your kids just hate the most, yeah, right? For sure. Um, yeah, so – with gays and you know you wonder if sometimes maybe he's a bit of a joey sunshine he's the one who told us jhi was going to get a monster role with miami they tried to give it to him there and then he just sucked right that that next year uh i remember him being attempting to potentially be forthright about that anyways we digress so adam gaze i asked him about it's funny we're beginning the jets talk with these two players but let's just get to it ty montgomery a player that was getting a ton of run in practice in a very formal offensive practice, a ton of run with the ones and the twos, Ty Montgomery out of the backfield uh, the vast majority of the time, catching the football a lot, right? And so that caught my eye because all of a sudden I was thinking, wait a second, Ty Montgomery is actually a really nice handcuff option from a the cons- – in my opinion, from a, just a conceptual football perspective, if I was running the New York Jets, I'd say, you know what, Ty Montgomery, that's a nice handcuff to lay beyond Bell there. And this is a guy I can do something with. He's got some versatility. He's not a pure handcuff, but he can replicate a lot of the same things. And we got some other guys behind him that could help help fill in in that situation. And then we got the versatility with, you know, with, with Montgomery as well. So that kind of turned a little bit of a light on for me because I've got, I've had exposure to Le'Veon Bell all off season, but I haven't really been insuring him in any way. Right. And Ty Montgomery is a guy that's an afterthought for folks at this point. So oh, he's, he, he's not being like, he, he's not even being drafted in like 20 round drafts with, you know, with the super deep benches, nobody's drafting time on nobody. They're like, they're, they're, they're probably people who out there who call themselves fantasy analysts who don't even know that he's on the jets. 
Well, that's why they don't work for Roster Watch. <laughs> well, that and, that and other reasons. Now, I asked <laughs> so I, so I asked Gaze. Um, I asked him. I said, you know, what he thought of what he's seen out of Ty Montgomery so far in camp, and I mean, I could barely get the words out of my mouth, and his eyes like popped out of his head, and he started beaming a big smile, and he just said. You know, I couldn't believe that guy was available as a free agent. We couldn't believe he was on the market. Uh, he said, you know, he's extremely smart, uh, very versatile. I asked him, I said, is he, the, uh, is he the backup to Le'Veon Bell? And he said, well, he's versatile, but yeah, you know, we see him as a running back and a potential backup to Le'Veon Bell. That was kind of the message that he was passing on there. But he, he went on to say that the minute they signed Ty Montgomery or started contemplating signing Ty Montgomery, that it got all his mad scientist, you know, offensive coordinator, uh, you know, creative juices flowing. And he said that that was the guy that was like the tipping point as to when he decided that he could get extremely creative with this offense was specifically by adding <laughs> Ty Montgomery. That's just so weird. And it sounds weird and cockamamie, but it does, to me it makes a little bit of sense. That's a real wild card. That's a versatile piece out there for you. And so, yeah, you're not going to build your offense around him. And it's obviously a little bit of lip service, uh, but it was a fun conversation and, you know, we'll see what happens. The proof, proof will be what happens in the final roster cuts. But I'd say right now, if I'm investing in Le'Veon Bell, I'm probably looking to handcuff him at the very end of my draft with Ty Montgomery and or just have Ty Montgomery as like number one on my watch list. And then when if something were to happen, when everybody else runs for, you know, uh, Elijah McGuire or hell, you can't even believe Bilal Powell is still on the roster. They run for one of those guys, maybe you can be the sharp player in your league that goes after Ty Montgomery. I will say to you, Alex, my other takeaway there is as good as I felt about Le'Veon Bell leaving camp, I do believe that Ty Montgomery is going to cut into his target share to some extent. And that is if Montgomery makes the team, which to me it looks like they, there's no way they're using him this much with the ones and twos, I, I don't think unless they're planning on him making the roster. So will it cut into in any, will it cut in any, you know, major way into Le'Veon, significant way into Le'Veon Bell's production? I don't think so. I think where it probably cuts into Le'Veon Bell is in any type of uh, upside, you know, his extreme upside, uh, realm of possibilities of the possible outcomes of Le'Veon Bell's season, especially in PPR. I think maybe at the up, the very fringe of the upside, you might want to tap the brakes a little bit there on on target share because of Ty Montgomery. All right. So other than, I mean, besides Ty Montgomery, there is a guy there named Le'Veon Bell. What, I mean, you walked away feeling good about Le'Veon. You think that he's fine just right outside that tier of the first top Top four and David Johnson, I mean, is it just wheels up for Le'Veon Bell after those guys? Yeah, definitely wheels up for Le'Veon Bell. I feel very good about Le'Veon Bell, somewhere between a good to great to excellent fantasy asset for the season. You're getting a good player. 
you're getting a good fantasy player for sure with Le'Veon Bell with your pick in the first round or your pick in the top of the second round. So you can did feel. Did you see him hitting the hole? Like, did you see him hitting the hole and running? Yeah, I think he looks like the same guy. Now, I don't, I haven't seen Bell live a whole lot, you know, obviously in the past, but he looked like he has juice and he looked like what you'd expect him to look. He's not, you know, he's kind of one of these patient guys with the way that he runs. He's not a, just a spring loaded, uh, you know, explosive running. He never has been. It's a little more deceptive, right? He kind of lulls you to sleep and then he has a good cut, you know? And so I saw that out there. I've seen enough players to know that. I mean, he looks like a good NFL running back out there that, is fit to carry the load and looks plenty athletic, uh, looks about what I'd expect him to look like. And, you know, you ask the folks from around there, what kind of shape he appears to have to be in. And, you know, of course these are jets insiders and beat writers, you know, and from their perspective though, he's coming to camp in very good shape and, uh, appears to be a guy that a year off with a rested body has really helped him out. What about the wide receivers? Are you interested at all in Robbie Anderson? We've talked and talked and talked about his, his bad schedule. Um, Jamison Crowder, Quincy Inunua, I mean, Sam, Don- like, Sam Darnold. Like, how's, just how's the passing game look? Looks good. It's going to be an exciting young offense to keep tabs on. I'm very excited about it as somebody who just monitors the landscape of the NFL and the development of all these young guys since that's what we do. Every year is scout all these young guys coming in from the NFL as somebody who's pretty closely monitored and scouted Sam Darnold uh, over the last couple of years from his pro day. And, you know, obviously graded him extensively last year, had a very nice grade on somebody like Sam Darnold. You know, uh, said it on the Sirius XM radio show today. You've heard me say it to, before, Alex. I mean, my comparison for him has always been a Matthew Stafford type. And I think in fantasy, that's actually exactly where he belongs on the draft cheat sheet. Um, and that's a, that's a, you know, a, a certainly a very functional player with plenty of upside, a very functional young player with plenty of upside. So what I see in Sam Darnold is a player that looks like he's in control. He looks like a more poised second year player in the NFL. Definitely looks like a real deal, young NFL quarterback, a guy with good mechanics, improved mechanics, uh, I still do believe he needs to get the ball out of his hand faster than what I saw. Uh, I would imagine some of that has to do currently with processing the new offense. Uh, It leads me to believe that much like a Matthew Stafford, you're still going to see some turnovers from a guy like Sam Darnold this year. But I see a young, a good young quarterback on a positively, you know, positive development on a good trajectory on a good developmental curve with maybe more weapons than people are giving him credit for. You know, you think about a Le'Veon Bell, you think about a Ty Montgomery, you see how good somebody like a Chris Herndon looks in real life out there moving around big, beastly athletic tight end. Uh, Robbie Anderson, we know he has the difficult schedule. You, you mentioned it, Alex. And of course, per usual, that's a drum we've been beating for a few months now. And I think that's starting to kind of permeate the fantasy industry at this point is that that's something to watch out with Robbie Anderson is this murderer's row uh, that he faces to begin the season on. The counterpoint is, is that he's pretty clearly Donald's number one guy and he's a very slick, slippery wide receiver who 
specializes in separation and that's what you're going to need to neutralize those difficult matchups. So, you know, the issue is with Robbie Anderson, his, uh, all of that and including his upsides pretty much been baked into his ADP this whole time. So I don't see a lot of arbitrage, a ton of value on Robbie Anderson, where he's being drafted. That said, if you like him, it's fine. I'm not going to have a big argument with with you about it. He's a good looking. Would it is current Is it like the upsides baked into his ADP, but the downsides not? In every corner that he faces in his own division, he's going to get twice. And every single one of those guys is an absolute fucking monster that shadows Stephon Gilmore, Xavier Howard, Tre'Davious White. Just that's six of them. That's six well, games. Then you're a guy that may need to consider buying in a little more. Like I, I am very, very late to some shares of Quincy and Nunwa. Or of Jamison Crowder. I mean, if you look at it, the starting wide receivers on this team are Robbie Anderson and Quincy Anunua. That's the starting two. And then starting three are Robbie Anderson, Quincy Anunua, and Jamison Crowder. So, I mean, Anunua looks like a beast out there. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.